0: Baby
1: Welcome, welcome back. It's been a while since we've been on air, but we are back live. It's the 24th of May. It's 2019, and we are back. The Scream Brum Show here on Brum Radio. And eagle-eared listeners will have noticed that we began with Don't Eat the Daisies by uh, Doris Day. And that is a brilliantly... um, sequence from us because it's three things in one. First of all, it's an important public service announcement. Um, We do not recommend that you eat the daisies, so please avoid that. The second one is is our tribute to Doris Day, who passed away, uh, I think might have been uh, end of last week, or certainly in the last uh, few days, um, at the ripe old age of 95. Uh, And an absolutely wonderful film star she was, so we send that out in tribute. And finally, um, we are playing Don't Eat the Daisies Please because we would like to introduce our theme for the day. Now, anyone who hasn't listened to the Screen Brum Show before, where have you been all our lives? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you are very welcome. Um, what we do is we pick a theme each week and we talk about what we've learned about life uh, in that theme. From the films, from the movies, from the TV, sometimes from the computer games, things with a screen. Uh, and our theme this week uh, is flowers. There was a crashing noise there, which which destroyed my air of tension. Not sure what happened.
0: That was a it? plant pot. That
1: was a plant pot falling over. Yeah. The voice you heard there was none other than Mr. Tim Wilson. Um, Tim, uh, I'm, I'm going to come up with a few puns here. Tim, you are blooming. Always. Petal. Um you are fragrant.
2: That's what they say.
1: Um and um <laughs> I can't think of anything else. You smell like manure. Um there we
2: blooming are. and fragrant, I'll take I'll take those. Um yes. and we
1: are also joined in the studio by of course Lucy Beth. Hello Lucy. Hello. How, lovely to be back. Now Lucy, you have selected this theme
0: which um possibly wasn't one of my brightest ideas. Oh I'm sure it is going to be
1: fantastic. So if you are um <laughs> listening to us uh, right now then then let us know what your favorite films so is it is it films with um about flowers films with flower scenes anything we, flower related. We uh
2: we as always the other thing that of uh, about screen Brum that we uh spend our time doing is setting the ground rules for every theme that we uh have. Often that's done out of necessity to ensure that we're able to select uh, a bunch of films that are not necessarily the obvious ones, mm. not saying that the obvious ones are no less legitimate because they are, but on Screen Brown, we like to bring in some of the more obscure choices as well and uh, when we were discussing this theme about flowers, our ideas weren't necessarily always blooming, but are are setting the see i'm just we're just going to keep rolling these aren't we. Yeah,
1: yeah. We've uh, we gonna haven't keep, gonna keep we haven't gone to seed when we've been yeah. away. We haven't let the grass grow under our feet. We've been germinating green shoots of new ideas. We will be spring. All right, carry on.
2: And uh, so we have included plants mm. into the mix as well.
1: Or plants, yeah, not posh. Yes, plants. Um, yes, yeah, so anything plans. And so so we are interested to hear from you. Anything that sprouts. Anything that sprouts, anything that grows. Uh, let us know if you have any film suggestions for us. Um, and you can tweet us at Screenbrum and you can email us info at screenbrum.co.uk.
2: Yeah, good testing.
1: And after all this time. So we have been away for a while, but as I say, we have we have not let the grass grow under our feet. We have been um, that, germinating ideas, uh, and we are going to be having a good show. So we hope to hear from you. We're also going to have a guest later on, aren't we? Yes. You
2: know, so we, we, we are delighted to welcome, in, to welcome in Soraya from, uh, so, sorry, Sakanya. Not Soraya, Sakanya, who, who is from uh, Screen B14. And uh, she's going to come in and talk about... What they do and what they're up to. They have a very active calendar of film-related stuff. Fantastic. So, yeah, we're very excited to have her on. She'll be in it, uh, sort of in the first half of the show. Fantastic.
1: So we wait to hear from you, and um, we're going to play a little bit more music whilst we, uh, we wait for uh, uh, everyone to, you know, to just smell the flowers, right? Eh? Now, I've got a track here that is going to blow away any cobwebs. Um, uh, so uh, if you can identify what film this is from... You get a hundred points because it is—it's not an obscure song by any means, but it's a pretty obscure film. Uh, it's the only one I could find, anyway. You know this? Oh, bit of bit of, bit of bass in your ears he uh, on this fine Friday afternoon. That was, of course, in Bloom. Did you see the connection in Bloom? Um, and everything, as if if you do not know, everything we play on this show um, comes from a film soundtrack. So that one, of course, comes from Mrs. Death Two: Hell's Fury. Um, I'm sure we're all familiar with that one. The the second part of the uh, Mrs. Death trilogy. Um, <laughs> I kid you not. Um, yeah, for some reason it doesn't. I mean, L- Nirvana are in a lot of things, but that's the only one I could find on IMDb.
2: Do you want me to read some of the description
1: of of Mrs. Death? To Hell's Fury. Yeah, please do. the events do.
2: of the first film, which none of us have seen, the spirit of death possesses a dead female victim from the first film's carnage and tries to continue his evil scheme.
1: Well, I am not saying that In Bloom by Nirvana is the best thing in that film, but it is. Because it's one of the best things ever, so... You know, I'm sorry, Father Death. Oh, it's not Mrs. Death.
2: Yeah, I just love Father Death takes control of a dead woman's body and wreaks bloody havoc wherever he or she, he or she roams.
1: There you go. That's, that's the kind of, of my curiosity. <laughs> that's the kind of um, film knowledge that you can expect from uh, the show. Um, flower knowledge, uh, we may be a little <laughs> bit more, a little that's bit right. more, uh, a little bit more cagey on. Um, I, I have to say, I am not very good at keeping flowers alive. I find I find there is something melancholy about every time I look at flowers. I always feel slightly sad because I always think oh it's gonna die soon I always feel a bit kind of you know I'm not very able to appreciate the fleeting nature of of a flower but um Lucy you're a big gardener aren't you
0: yes well hopefully mine lasts a bit longer than yours by the sound of it (laughs) probably you're
1: doing like yeah well yeah I'm just I'm just talking to them and um yeah so but you like gardening
0: I love it Yeah. yeah so I um got a place with a big garden a couple of years ago, and it was a bit of a case of, oh dear, what am I gonna do with that? And now I love it, Uh. and as soon as it's um, dry, I'm out there in my little gloves, trying not to fall over, and doing my best at keeping things going, and I love it, I really love
1: it. Good, well, if you've got any tips for Excuse me for our listeners on how to uh, have a beautiful garden. Then, um, yeah, if you've got any questions, any gardeners' questions, oh, no. tweet them in, and Lucy Beth will. will I'd like them.
0: to see people's gardens, though. Send that's me a good idea. Flowers. What is this
2: radio 4? Yeah, uh, gardeners' I, I'm, question I'm time I'm with Lucy Beth.
0: Gardeners, well, that's what I'm after.
2: Yeah, Monty I'll Don, Don be warned. one day. <laughs> Fantastic. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> actually, even better if you have tips regarding plants or flowers from the movies that would be a, that That'll would be, be good particular particular anecdotes regarding tending to your plants
1: okay okay well cuz we are going to be talking so what we do on the show oh, is yes. we will pick film choices each not necessarily our favorite films or the best films or anything like that but just films that we you know that, that catch our eye might have a personal story associated with it and we'd love to hear yours as well we have already received some on Twitter now, this one—the um, first one I'm going to talk about—is one which has already received quite a lot of commentary on Twitter, and I—I th- I suspect anyone who's of a similar generation to me, someone who's perhaps in their in their forties, um, will listen, will will hear this, and have a particular reaction. Just have a listen. Don't have nightmares <laughs> if you are of a certain generation. That is um, the opening sequence to the BBC's Mini The series. Day of the Triffids from 1981. Now, this uh, The Day of the Triffids, as, as many of you may know, is a novel from 1951 from um, uh, John Wyndham, uh, who wrote a lot of, sort of apocalyptic novels. And it has the, let's face it, unpromising um, premise of humans being terrorised by plants that can walk and sting you and kill you Um, but it's brilliant it's brilliant, it's a brilliant concept because as as, as many of you will remember, the central um, event that kicks all this off is basically most of the population of the planet become immediately blind due to a meteor that burns out their retinas or something and it's terrifying I mean that Mm. bit, so I watched this when I watched this, I would have been, you know, I don't know, eight and nine. Four. Yeah, well, I was probably about ten. I don't know. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was, it was absolutely traumatic. There's a horrifying scene where there's a woman, like, they're all, you know, obviously everyone's blind. They can't find food and they're all desperate. And there's a woman desperately protecting uh, this packet of uh, food um, from people, and she's sitting on the floor desperately trying to tear it open, and it's soap powder. She doesn't know it's soap powder. It's so horrible. Um, the whole thing. And it's been it's been filmed as well. I think 1961, there was a, a Howard Keel in a film version. And there was also another BBC adaptation. Yeah, a few
0: years ago. That I'm was right. actually quite good. Yeah, yeah
1: that's Eddie Azard in that The woman, with yeah. Grace Scott. Due Grace yeah. Jodie yeah. Richardson. Yeah. Um, quite a different. Um, Take on the the story a little bit more. Um, it was, it was quite camp.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it was enjoyable. I thought it was it wasn't bad at all. Um, the, um,
1: the, the 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 interesting thing about the BBC one, um, John Dutton one, is it's very um, very faithful to the book actually, very close. Um, by today's standards, you watch it because it's been repeated a lot on um, BBC Four recently. Um, and um, yeah, but today's standards, it's, it's very slow paced. You know, lots of very slow things happening, but. Um, Really, really chilling. Great central performance of John Duttine in it, actually, who I met um, backstage at Pebble Mill when I was a kid. Um, I met him and Bill Oddie and Status Quo all at the same time.
0: It's and a bit of a mix. I uh... know.
1: I know. They were all guests on Pebble Mill at it's one. It's never
2: been the same, has it? Oh, I tell you. It was Pebble brilliant. Mill, Status man. Quo
1: were really nice. I remember I was,
2: that. Was that pre Was that pre or pre? Yeah, it's not Titchmarsh days, was it?
1: It was. I'm not sure it was actually. It Keeping
2: the plant theme alive, you see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Very good. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. so so um,
1: Sorry. the day of the Triffids. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that's yeah, it's great. Um, the the sound of the Triffids makes just noise more than anything else. They were terrifying. Um, and they had this these stings that swung about, and they were really, really horrified I mean, look—it look,
2: does look vaguely funny now. As it well. does look ridiculous, It is not that Doctor Who kind of? Yeah. Uh, low budget, but boy, they do—they they, they they act it well.
1: They did. They, they, it was completely played straight. Yeah. That the plant I read recently is was based on a ginseng root, also twisted, and they had little people inside. That, see, were, that sounds more sinister than based
2: on a ginseng
1: root. Yeah, exactly. There are people inside actually moving them around. Um, I mean, obviously the the special effects are pretty laughable by today's standards but yeah fantastic the sound of it the opening sequence was absolutely horrifying mm-hmm. um
2: that title sequence was
1: oh, pretty out there, isn't yeah, it? yeah if you go on youtube and just look at the opening the opening uh, credits of of day of the triffids it'll creep you out one thing that isn't in it that's in the book which i i miss and i think is a great idea is one of the characters in it um in the novel is she was a sort of infamous celebrity for having written a sort of racy book called my adventures in sex or something Mm -hmm. and whenever they went somewhere in this post-apocalyptic landscape people would recognize her um as this person and i love the idea it's taken up in um the postman actually um um, you know the the post-apocalyptic kevin costner film which has also got tom petty in playing himself in a post-apocalyptic world where people remember him as, oh, it used to be Tom Petty, um, but yeah, I quite like that idea of like you know, you're, even in the post-apocalyptic landscape, you can't escape your past. Um, anyway, there we go. Day of the Triffids, I think is is a, is, is they're not are they flowers? They're flowers. They're, they're orangey. Doesn't they? matter.
2: Plants, flowers, yeah, all good. They're close enough. I would like to also mention the uh, unmistakable Brian Pern concept album, "The uh, Day <laughs> of the Triffids," uh, with uh, the great uh, voiceover by Sir Roger Moore. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, which um, is, is 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 is
1: strangely lost,
2: not an easy to find is album. It, is
1: it a lost album?
2: Yeah, and the stage show that never happened. <sighs> it's all politics it's all politics it's all politics man
1: if you're interested in that idea by the way of lost albums there's a great book called great lost albums um by mark billingham amongst others and it's a series of spoof lost albums you know like sort of morris's reggae album and uh, uh it's very funny very funny indeed so they are day of the triffids what do you all think of feathers and wings you have been in touch to let us know that was the first thing you thought of and i thought one of you two are going to say this. I thought I'd get in there
2: first. Yeah, she did get in there. I hadn't put it in my five. I kind of kept it out again because I thought it might fall into the obvious category. But again, it's not actually because it's a TV series and Blake is Blake is always good because he will pick a TV. Oh, someone's trying to ring. I will. Oh yeah. Oh it yes. Might be our guest right I'm going to step away because it might be our guest. <laughs> Bear with me one second.
1: It is okay. Um, so yes, um, so yes, there we are. T- the day of the triffers. You approve there, Lucy?
0: Oh, definitely. One of the things I love about it from. The film and I, um, well, from the book, but I suppose for a lot of people, it's probably come from the TV and film now as well. It's how it's just become standard language. So, like if you're walking through a garden somewhere and someone will say, Oh, it looks like a Trifford, like a massive plant or something. And I love that. That always makes me quite happy, really.
1: I'd I never, yeah, never thought about it. The, the, I think the plants are meant to be genetically modified russian super weapon or something um in it and uh, but they're farmed for their oil um and that's why there's so many of them around there's triffid farms in the in the book um so there we are the day of the triffid that is our first choice um so uh let us know what you think um we'll be having our guests shortly but um tim and lucy would either of you like to to join in with uh, a choice
2: it's interesting, as, as soon as um, we extended the topic area from flowers to include plants, that things became much more of the horror variety. I'm sure that mm. Lucy might have got some horror films. Well, ahead. i tell you what, if
1: you watch the 1961 Day of the Triffids film, the scene in there is the plants eat uh, a gardener. is pretty grisly. And I will tell you, I tell you, that, that would give you nightmares if, you are, if you're someone that has a lot of plants in your house. Sorry, sorry. you were saying horror? Yes,
2: horror. Um, although I'm going to come back to horror because I feel like um, going horror to ho- going from a plant-based horror film or sorry, triffids might be flowers. Yes, I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs>
1: flowers are plants. Let's 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 not forget that.
2: Yes. So um, I might uh, I'll I'll throw in my first choice today, um, and I will throw in um, Leon from 1994. Mm. I think I was alluding to this earlier with the animated GIF of uh, Jean Reno attending to his plant, as it were. Um, so, as you probably know, I think we've all seen Leon. Some of us have seen it too many times. <laughs> Not looking at me. So, uh, Luc Besson's 1994 English-language debut film, set in New York City, filmed in 30 days with a, with a shoestring budget. One of the uh, defining Luc Besson films, uh, one of the defining films of the 1990s, one might argue and uh, discuss. Anyway, the film revolves around John Renault, uh, who plays Leon, who's a hitman takes in a 12-year-old girl called Matilda, played by, um, of course, Natalie Portman in her breakthrough role, after her family is murdered, and she becomes his protege. Um, But, of course, uh, the key character in this film is the cute plant that Leon has and attends to throughout the film. It becomes a kind of a symbol of the film's life. He talks in the film about attending to your roots. Mm. He talks all the time about... um, you know the idea of, you know, letting your roots count, and as he's doing that, he's always, often, looking after and tendering for after this beautiful plant, which I can't pronounce. It's called an ag- aglonema. It's a it's a zebra striped plant and you see the film with several scenes where he's either carrying his plant through the streets after they've been evicted evicted from the flat that they're in or they have to leave because uh, Gary Oldman's cop is on the run or he's t- attending to it or uh, Matilda is next to it that plant is kind of a, a symbol of the film's life and even in death uh, when Matilda takes the plant and buries it it is a kind of almost like it's a burying it's like the Burying of Leon in one way or another, you know at the end of the film, mm. that plant plays a central theme throughout the film, um, and I think it 's a really poignant statement of the film 's vibrancy, so uh, mm. that is my first pick that is the e- plant from leon
1: and excellent the what we 're calling it the agridour.
2: The 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 agradoo plant, I can't remember what it was called. It's called the aglonema.
1: We need to have Uh. some some botanist uh, listeners really let us know um, about that. I've been doing a little bit of research. Someone on Twitter suggested uh, House of Bamboo, is it, a film? Um, Yeah. We weren't sure whether bamboo has flowers, and I was looking them up. And they flower like once a century or something, bamboo plants. But I think they all, in an area, they all flower at once or something, which must be quite amazing if that happens, so...
2: And of course, th- um, talking about plants, I think this is what Leon says. I've just sort furiously of going through my notes. Um, so he says, Leon. Leon likes this plant because it looks like him. He says it has no roots, and it can be taken anywhere without carrying anything more than itself. For so mm. anything more than itself, so it's a very, it's a self sufficient plant. Much like Leon is a self sufficient hitman.
1: Well, it's a there very it's a very lonely life. Yeah, being a plant pot in a pot.
2: Back in the days when Besson managed to mixed a bit of mix mostly style with some substance, <laughs> that's the, you know that, those you know those those killer films. The sort of period that 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 period where he went, he did Nikita and he did Leon. Those two films are still his two Pirlo's per, per, best films because of that. Discuss not <clears>
0: Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, okay, that one was. Uh, uh, perhaps sown on stony ground yeah. am i am i really stretching these <laughs> metaphors um Keep we're getting g- um, l- um lucy um would you like to, to give us one of your choices uh, or would you uh, would you not
0: yeah well um you started off with doris day which mm-hmm. I, that, um, is always a wonderful thing to do so thinking about flowers on screen one of the things the images that I always think of first is Calamity Jane, Mm. which um, is, that's probably my most watched film. Um, Since I was about four, I've probably watched it at least once a month for my whole life, really. Um, So there's an admittance. It's my happy film. If Uh, I need cheering up, I put Calamity Jane on. Um, But the image that always comes straight to mind is her... Um, singing Secret Love, holding these beautiful, bright daffodils um, after she's fallen for Bill Hickok, played for Howard Keel. And it's such a wonderful, bright image in that way that films from that time period had such a vivid colour to them, I suppose, with it being the the type of Technicolor recording she's still and um, it, it's just got this vivacious um, coloration to it and it, it's um, through throughout the film it seems to go from these dusty almost desert like um, conditions and as she finds her love it goes brighter and greener and more flowery and it's um, the film. Obviously, has taken on quite a strong LGBT um, mm. sort of following mm. through its lifespan, and that was something that kind of meant a lot whilst I've been growing up as well. And that comes from her relationship with Katie, and that is kind of told through flowers as well from Katie. Bringing in flowers to her little hut, essentially, and painting flowers on the door with their uh, names intertwined through the flowers, and so it's um, she finds her love of femininity through flowers, not necessarily her own, because um, she's always quite staunch in her herself. She doesn't change herself and her um, her ethos. Um, for anyone, really, she maybe cleans up a bit, but um, but she finds her love of femininity and this brighter world that's not just all shades of brown. That it brings this, like, say, greenery mm. and brightness and lightness into her life as the film progresses, and she finds her different loves. Oh, that is mm. uh,
1: that is beautiful. That makes me really want to go off and watch that this weekend. Well, you should. I should. And what I'll do then, uh, Lucy, is I'll play the music. Shall I? Shall well, we have nice, uh, yeah. a, a double a double dose of Doris Day? Try saying that after a couple of pernos. A double dose of Doris Day. will have a secret love, um, and that is of course from the soundtrack to Calamity Jane, which is our uh, what, Lucy's first choice for our flowery theme today. We'll be back. Uh, Lucy is in raptures here as we listen to that. That's Secret Love by Doris Day, and that is from the soundtrack to. Uh, oh God, I've forgotten. Calamity Jane. And now we are joined. We have a special guest in the studio. Hello, Sakaya. Sakaya. Oh, you my were close. God. That was terrible. I'm so sorry. You tried. That's I did. And oh, now I'm embarrassed. I'm sorry, Sakaya. Hello. Hi.
3: Thank you for having me. And tell us
1: about yourself, Sikena. Uh
3: So I. Do you want it in the context of what I do? Yeah,
1: do I'm not asking me? for a full life story. I was um, you know, you can if you want, but I was thinking I mean, yeah, so you're here from the uh,
3: the King's Heath. Yeah, I'm from Screen B fourteen, which is a brand new community cinema based in King's Heath in Birmingham. We've been running since about January, although we started setting up a few months before, and I think we have our fifth screening this weekend.
1: Mm-hmm. So what uh, what where are you physically? So
3: um the idea is that we're based in Kingsley, so we could potentially move around locations. But at the moment, we're at the New Life Baptist Church, which is opposite the Asda on Kingsheath High Street.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, what what sort of things have you been showing?
3: Uh, so it's been really important to us to have a diverse range of programming. So we started off with Black Panther, which was a great film. It has a bit of mainstream appeal, but also it's something that was a bit different. It was. It was a film with a majority black cast, which is very, very rare. Mm. And it was a mainstream success, so we were like, this is a great film, and we are going to show it. And it was great. We had 70 people turn up, which was so much more than we were expecting. And then after that, we did A Star Is Born. um, And then in March, we showed Lady Bird to celebrate International Women's Day with an F-rated film. An F-rated film? Yeah, so F-rated is... Um, if you've got either a female director, writer, or protagonist. And this one had all three.
1: Wow, that is brilliant. I not, I did not know about that as an idea. Definitely need to, to get onto that F-rated film. Oh, absolutely. Films.
3: I think, so a lot of people look at the Bechdel test, That's but right. mm. it's actually a really, really low bar.
1: Mm. I think to That's pass absolutely.
3: it, you need two women two female-named characters who have a conversation that's not about a male character. Mm. And so many films don't pass that, but mm. like I said, it's a really low bar, so F-rated is just a slightly higher standard, what we should be aspiring for. I
1: think that is a fantastic one. So is there a kind of rationale behind the films you choose? Or um, it, what's, what's your kind of criteria? A little criteria? bit. So
3: we did as a new organization we did try to start off with a couple mainstream films just to get people through the doors because community cinema in general is a concept not many people know about or mm-hmm. understand and then after that we've been we've had loose themes so um, like I said we did an f-rated film and then we showed a family-friendly film this month we're showing a foreign language film uh, next month it's two f- family-friendly films, again, one's a classic, and then got a Bollywood film, and then just a really good film.
1: Oh, a really good film. That's yeah. Is that as much detail we're going to get? Uh,
3: well, in terms of themes, it was the idea that we have something that's newer, but a film that we think is of a, a high standard, I guess.
1: Now, as you say, community cinema is something that know not people are aware of, but it is it's very much growing.
3: Oh, absolutely. Concern, isn't it? So I am one of the biggest champions of community cinema. I'm actually a trustee for Cinema For All, which is a national charity that supports and promotes community cinema. And it's just that thing that I'm really passionate about.
2: So, could you repeat what that charity's called again?
3: Cinema For All.
2: Cinema For All, yeah.
3: Um, and so community cinema is basically film screenings that happen in locations other than uh, commercial cinema. So these can range between churches, community centers. Uh, There's one in Deptford, which happens in a shop in the basement of it, which is fantastic. Um, And they can also be pop-up screenings, uh, things in parks. There's so much scope to what it could be. And the other main thing about community cinema is it's volunteer run. So they're all run by people who just love cinema and love community and want to create this service for local people, I suppose, and interestingly, there's, I think there's over a thousand of them in this country alone, and then wow. you've got them in all kinds of countries, um, so I met two people, one in Portugal, one from Poland, who both run community cinemas in their local areas, so it's a massive thing that not enough people know about.
1: And it's it's. I certainly. I recently went to uh, the Moorpool one. Um, yeah. in, in... Circle Cinema. That's right. Beautiful location and watched a film there. And it's a different experience, isn't it, than yeah, than going to a cinema? You know, where you're having, you have for starters, it, when they say it's going to start, that's when the film starts. There's no adverts. There's no preamble. It's well, is it, oh, that one anyway? And it's fantastic. It's a different experience.
3: Yeah, and I think there's something nice about I just having a film screening that's lots of different people coming together but without like the rigidness of a regular cinema mm-hmm. it doesn't matter sometimes if people are a little bit louder or if kids are running around i went to one in what's it called Chaddesley corbett it's a village near bromsgrove um and I went to go see their screening of The Greatest Showman, and it was a family-friendly screening. And you had all kids on beanbags at the front, and it's just this really fun vibe with all the family there—the grandparents, grandchildren. It was great.
1: Fantastic. Um, so, what? What remind us? What was? What's is it f- sat- Saturday is the next show? Yes.
3: this Saturday, the twenty fifth. We're showing Shoplifters, um, which is one of my favorite films I saw last year. I think if you don't come to any other screenings that we do come to this one because it's a film that's worth seeing that wasn't in the cinema all that much and people might not have clocked on to how great it was and it was one of those films where I just left it and had no idea how to feel, if that makes sense at mm. all.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Like,
3: I knew I felt a lot, I just <laughs> didn't know what.
1: That's an excellent example. <laughs> and, and how do people, uh, do they just turn up or what, what's uh, the... So
3: we are on social media and we have a website and that will take you to our ticket link on Ticket Taylor where you can buy a ticket in advance, but we usually have plenty on the door so you can just come up. And then before all of our screenings, we show short films that tend to be themed. Um, so you'll get a little added extra if you come to our screening.
1: Fantastic. So uh, for, for people who are interested, can you run us through the, the social media handles? Okay.
3: I think it's all at screen B14. Screen. screen like a cinema screen and B14 the postcode
1: it's really is that simple <laughs> um and um and then you're saying from there we can find links to the tickets Absolutely, as well yeah and what times uh the, shop s- is on?
3: the screening starts at seven thirty doors open from seven there will be refreshments available in time to just like have a little chat with people there before the film starts
1: and what kind of crowd do you have is it always the same or
3: no, I think it's been varying, so it's been a lot of local people but I mean, we've had people from as far as Cambridge. Wow. I mean, they were my friends, but it still (laughs) counts. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it ranges in age. At Shoplifters, we had some girls who were in their late teens and then people who were in their 60s and 70s. Mm -hmm. So it's ranging. And at the moment, we're still trying to build an audience. Um, And hopefully there'll be more and more diversity in the audience as we grow. I think one of our key things is accessibility in terms of it being physically accessible and in terms of price so with we have a we have a flexible ticket scheme so people can essentially choose what they feel comfortable paying. I think with a lot of cinemas they can just be so overpriced especially independent cinemas mm-hmm. and as someone who's at times been on low incomes I I always want to see everything, but you can't. So the idea is that it's accessible in terms of costing as well. And we are trying to reach more parts of the community. So hopefully it will keep growing.
1: That sounds absolutely fantastic. And are you open to suggestions for films? Absolutely because I'm sure Tim will be, will be bombarding you with suggestions. But that it's, great. Fantastic. it's a great. It's a great place. If any of you, you know, have never been to a community cinema, um, it's an extremely uh, pleasant experience, i found. You know, you, you chat to people before. It's a very different, different thing from, from being at, the, at the, the multiplex. You know, you're chatting with people beforehand, and um, as you say, you get to see shorts, um, and you get to see films at the cinema that you probably wouldn't have got. Certainly not been on very long um, uh, and, and a cheap price. it sounds fantastic, very exciting to hear you. Thank you so much for coming you're in um, now we 're going to play a little bit of music, but uh, if you 're able to hang around for a little longer because we are talking flowers and we 're very interested to know if you can think of a f- scene in a film with a flower or a character with a flower or a film about flowers um, that um, would be a um, a choice, and uh, anyone listening at home you can t- you can tune in to uh, so you can listen you can tweet us at screen brum and let us know your choices uh, and it doesn 't have to be films, it can be TV and now, what I found here when I was doing some research for this is a computer game called uh, Flower um, and I really i don 't know what it is, but I really like the idea that you can just sort of play being a flower wouldn't that be <laughs> lovely? now pure escapism just being a flower just sitting in a field you know deciding whether to wave a bit move towards the sun i like the sound of that so i'm going to play some music from it this this particular track is called life as a flower which is already excited um and the composer is vincent diamante enjoy To listen to my life as a flower um, permanently, but we do have other things to do.
2: I, I have been immersing myself in the lovely language about this uh, this lovely game, so uh, I'm going to be playing it. I sure. It, um, I'm going to immerse myself in what they call that the beauty and serenity of nature. Well, we all flower. need that,
1: and at the moment, <laughs> times feel like we need to do that more than ever. Um, so uh, we are we're here with uh, B fourteen Screen B14, um, and we're talking um, about uh, community cinema, but we're also talking about flowers. So, do you have a flower film?
3: It's difficult. I'm sure I've seen lots of films with flowers, and films with flowers being prominent. But at the moment, all I can think of is, well, it's a bit of a cheat, but my favourite film is The Princess Bride. And one of the main characters is called Buttercup, Buttercup. the a flower. And also, shameless plug, we're showing it on 29th of June.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness, that is such an amazing film. Such it, an amazing film.
3: I, it's just so beautifully low budget and it's the most quotable film I've oh. ever seen.
1: It is. It is uh, just peerless. I love it. I love it. And, and read the book as well if you if you haven't. It's also my favourite book. Yeah, because it's uh, it's great. The way that adds to adds to it is fantastic. He's in the suggestion of a sequel in it as well. He starts writing a sequel and then stops. Um, fantastic. Oh, brilliant choice, Buttercup from. Um, yeah, from The Princess Bride. Fantastic. Thank you. So we're going to be going through some more um, films, um, and uh, we'd love to hear from you at home. So um, if you have any suggestions, then tweet us at Scream Brum. I don't know if we've had any yet, Tim. Have we no, and
2: I'll, I'll go through a few in a moment. I'm okay. Just, I'm just I'm just in the middle of looking up Buttercup references from The Princess Bride for our Twitter feed. Well, it's as, as, do. what is it?
1: I I, I stoop to pick a buttercup. Mm-hmm. Who left these buttocks lying everywhere? Um, there we are. Sorry <laughs> good. <laughs> getting terrible face expressions here. That's. I thought that was an all right joke. All right. Um, so Sikana, so kind of thank you very much for coming in. Did I get that right?
3: No. Oh my goodness. I think I've got a block a in my post. Head. I'm getting
1: a, a. Remind us again. I apologise. It's I'm really sorry about that. I've got a, a, a block in it's, my mind. It's,
3: okay. it's not a common name, although it's very popular in Morocco.
1: There we go. Basically,
2: we're all pronouncing it with the Y the other way around, aren't we? Yeah. And I bet you get that all the time. Yeah. Zucane. Zucane. That was...
3: Yeah, that was it.
1: Okay. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, well, thank you so much for coming in, Zucane. I really appreciate that. And telling us all about the b Scream B14. So do go if you are uh, interested in any of those films. And, and frankly... If you are at all able to, then do go along and see The Princess Bride, frankly. Um, because on the 29th of June. On the 29th of June. Any Screen B14,
2: you can buy tickets on their website. Fantastic. On Ticket Tailor. Um,
1: so um, so um, do do that. And um, we're going to be carrying on talking about flowers. So um, we've been going through our top five uh, flower films. Um, what I would, uh, I guess it's my turn to talk about the next one, right? Yes, it is. It is my turn to talk about the next one. So the film I'm going to do, and I don't know whether any of you are uh, familiar with this one, is 1971's A New Leaf. Anyone? No. See, this is it's. You've
2: got you've got our attention. It's
1: it's um, it's agonising that people haven't heard about this film because it is wonderful. Uh, It's written and directed by Elaine May, who is also someone who has been kind of written out of history she's a wonderful she's so funny she writes in this she directs it she stars in it she's written a few other things before um um, but i think she only directed one other film after this i don't think it was a big commercial success um and in it she plays a um, botanist who is uh, a very socially inept uh, botanist and this the other co-star in it is walter matthau so You already know this is going to be good. And Walter Matthau is um, a kind of slightly sleazy playboy um, who suddenly discovers he's run out of money, so he's like a, an heir, uh, so he needs to find a wealthy wife, um, hence pursuing Elaine May's character. Um, and Walter Matthau has is, is never been better than, than he is in this film. He's so funny. Um, His his attempts to woo this woman Henrietta um, are just hilarious. Um, There's a sequence where there's a wedding dress uh, with with him trying to get a wedding dress off, um, which is one of the funniest bits of physical, physical comedy you will ever see. Um, just watch it basically, no one seems to have heard of it I feel agonised that no one has heard of this film um, I, you know, I think it won a lot of awards and the, the central point about this that connects up with flowers is, there is a, um, it's all about her um, identifying a new species of fern and I think a ferns have flowers what are ferns, are they bushes, are they grasses come on Lucy, you're a gardener what is a fern?
0: Very good. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm not. I think aren't they a, a type of thing on their own?
1: A new, uh, well, yeah. oh, okay. According to Google,
2: ferns are plants. In fact, that's, that's, that's the. <laughs> well, plant. thanks for that. They look quite similar to lichens, and like fungi, they bear spores underneath the fronds.
1: Ah, yeah. So, f- for fungus isn't a plant, is it? Fungus is something else, I think. Mm. So, there may a slight variety. In is there. it
2: fungi or fungi? Fungi. How fungi. you feel? I don't know. This is turning into gardener's question time. It being
1: fungi. Yeah, yeah. Hilarious jokes. There's, there's not, There's not mushroom. Oh, goodness me. I'm really sorry, everyone. I know we've not been on air for a while, but I really don't... um, I cannot justify the poor level of jokes we've had. So there we are. That's my choice. Um, No one else seems to have heard of it, and I would recommend you do I think it's on Netflix. So if you have Netflix, then do try and and track it down, because it is wonderfully funny, and, and and it just feels like... This woman should have had a massive career as, as a kind of screenwriter, director, star. She's, you know, she's a, a sort of auteur. You know, and again, we're talking about F-rated films. You know, 1971, really being able to, to, to do everything like that must have been a real uh, struggle for her to get over. And it, and it is a brilliant film. And Walter Matthau's in it. So, you know, it's going to be good as well. There we go.
2: So this is 1971's...
1: 1971's A New Leaf. Thank you. Um, wonderful comedy there we go. That is my choice. So, anyone, no, no one's heard of it, so no one else can comment on it. But, uh, Tim, would you like to, to, to give us one of yours?
2: Yes, of course. I'll just uh, actually pass on to... Uh, L- Lucy. Lucy. I'm, I'm having, I'm having a f- a, an epic fail on my MacBook at the moment.
1: Um, other computers are available.
2: Um, on my computer at the moment.
1: <laughs> so, so, Lucy, our, our resident uh, florist... No, botanist, person with Certainly a garden. not botanist, no. I'm
0: not that knowledgeable. Right. I did do a year of floristry course. Really? Yeah. Wow, you kept that
1: quiet, so you really do know your flowers?
0: Not really, I can kind of make my, make my way along, but it's um, great fun, very therapeutic.
1: Is it? Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, a, that's a, everyone has interesting strings to their bow. Um, so, w- do you have a, a, You know, now that we know you are essentially an expert in this field, do you have any <laughs> any flower any flower choices for us?
0: Um, I was going to go for Beauty and the Beast.
1: Beauty and the Beast, nineteen
0: ninety one animation, as everybody knows.
1: The only um, version.
0: Yes. So we, we should clarify
1: that. I don't know. I didn't mind the uh, the recent one. Did you like the recent one?
0: It was watchable. Mm. Um, that that that'll do. Uh,
1: it, controversial, not controversial, but um, notable at the time for having Disney's first sort of LGBT character as well, wasn't it? Or or romance in it? I think. Am I thinking of the right thing? Was it? Yeah, yeah. Because I know there was a bit of controversy about it. Being barred, banned in certain places, parts of the world. Anyway, that's. Oh, I had not
3: heard that. One. Sorry. The new one was. The new one, yes. The yeah, the new one. Oh, I forgot the name of the character, but. He's basically in love with Gaston, mm. and I think there was that controversy about yeah, it because it was the most,
2: yes. actually most open. Yes, the first openly yeah. gay character. Mm. Yes, than, I Rather hadn't than going that. back through the Disney canon and going, well, clearly that's and that <laughs> and that is. To, yeah. you know. Um
1: Anyway, that's a, a, an side. Sorry, sorry, Lucy. No, that's Beauty and, and the Beast, point. the animated version.
0: Um, yes, the well, of course, a lot of the film is focused around the magical rose and everything is kind of linchpinned on that and it's decay and how will he survive as this terrible beast unless the rose is saved. Um, but it's a really interesting thing as well in terms of the, the style of the rose and its setting and how it originates in the older story um, because this um dying grows it's something that is a regular feature in Vanitas and Memento Mori paintings. And so that would that was a popular European field of art um during the period of time that Beauty and the Beast is set. And that being set in European um, placing as well. Yeah. <laughs> sort of, sort of words, classic fairy yes, tale castle words, kind of yes, thing, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, that fits in precisely. And if how it gets quite good as well is other pieces that would generally be featured in Valitas Memento Mori paintings would be clocks and candles yeah. so uh, it all fits together quite nicely so i quite like things like that where it all pieces together into something quite satisfying mm.
1: now this is an education for us here sort of an art history education as well um fantastic um and who's in that film some big name voices isn't there in angela lansbury the marvelous angela lansbury yeah. um Shall we have the music from it
0: in that oh, case? Oh, go on
3: then. Let's
1: listen to Angela Lansbury singing Beauty and the Beast from the soundtrack to the film of the same name. Sorry. Tale as old as time, beauty and the beast, with a beautiful rose in it. And I think that's an excellent choice. It, it reminds me of, um, one of one of the things I considered, which was um, The Little Prince. Now, The Little Prince is, is a, just such a, a wonderfully gorgeous book. I don't know if any of you read it. Have you read The Little Prince?
0: I've read the book. I've yeah. not seen. Um, there, was a,
1: there was a recent no. uh, TV uh, film version of it with Hans Zimmer did the soundtrack too. Yeah. Um, so um, we may play some of that later but yeah similarly a kind of a rose in a kind of um, being kind of tended to individually and in a you know empty landscape wonderful wonderful fantastic so we've had some choices Tim are you ready to to lay one on us now? I am have you, have you...
2: I don't know I've been debating whether to do this one for a little for a few minutes and um, but I, I will I will try and uh argue that it's a plant-based film. Okay. Or rather that it's at the heart of the film's uh, plot, rather than anything else. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Not the 50s, but the 1978 version. Um,
1: so the, that's Donald Sutherland one?
2: Yeah, the one where where Spock and the fly try to solve the mystery of the <laughs> space <scene. laughs> Um Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's probably why... One of the reasons I love the film is because of... Uh, is because of the fact that the film has um its roots in a sci fi uh context and no it has pun intended. No pun no pun intended. And, you know, when you're seeing uh when you're seeing Bond and you're seeing uh Jeff Goldblum and you're seeing Donald Sutherland rocking out and um yeah, so the idea of it's basically the idea is a, a mystery of a, a sort of a a deep space seed that come to life, um, that's come to Earth to take over humanity, as you do, and they they involve some (laughs) kind of um, spores that turn people into sort of mindless drones, and it involves this kind of cute pink-based seed and flowering, and it makes people, um, you know, not exactly what you call a killer plant, but it turns people into deranged, deranged maniacs. And
1: oh, there's sort of pods involved. There's sort of there. pods involved, like yeah. like pod type things. Peapod pod type things. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going to let this one go.
2: I, I I think it passes for a plant-based horror film because there are lots of plant-based horror films, you know, of uh, varying qualities. And uh, this is one of my favourites because it is knowingly, knowingly scary, but also knowingly fun. And um, you know, I I saw this at a very young age, like too young. So whenever I, I, whenever I used, I went around in the playground, this is how young I was, next day after I saw it, I was probably still only about nine, and I went around in the playground doing, you know, doing that thing, going, <sighs>
1: <laughs> and no one else had seen it, and they all just thought, oh, tim has the- been <laughs> Tim again,
2: yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that teacher didn't go back to mum and dad and say, you Tid's been watching scary films, so, um, my. oh that's it's so, so pod based things
1: yeah i 'm loosely that.
2: passes for plant film
1: so yeah i mean there 's a lot of you say there 's a lot of kind of the, the plants flowers um, are often in horror films aren 't they because there 's something kind of there is something kind of um, creepy about the kind of juxtaposition between beauty and horror and uh, and the, and that idea of uh, you know something that looks beautiful that isn 't so i 'm thinking of. Um, Batman was it the Joker has a little yes with the acid it sprays acid yeah. from his little bouquet and of course we can't really talk about it. we've talked about it so much already but on the, on the show but Little Shop of Horrors mm. um, about a killer plant so yeah it's a good a good one of course the Triffids we've already had so yeah yeah.
2: and I, I don't necessarily also categorise it as a, as a remake as much as it is almost like a successor to the original in terms of bringing up some of the ideas and themes from the original film and of course you know you know the original film just is—it's all about, for me, Kevin McCarthy and his delirium <laughs> throughout the film. But yeah, uh, yeah. when uh, yeah, I, I, overarching memory is of um, is of Donald Sutherland doing <sighs> at the end.
1: Is it Veronica Cartwright? That's right, oh, pre-alien Veronica Cartwright, right yeah. in
2: it as well. And she she does she does um, um, go, losing her mind very very well in films. Yeah. Veronica Cartwright <laughs> is one of her traits. Seventies-based <laughs> horror films,
1: seventies-based uh, yeah. yeah, organic <laughs> horror.
2: She gets it bad.
1: It, yeah, yes. <laughs> Especially an
2: alien. But anyway,
1: <clears throat> fantastic choice. So that is Tim's choice. Um, the 1978 version of, invasion, invasion, of invasion of the Body, of the body snatchers. <laughs> snatchers. The most explicitly planty one, I would say, of them all. Um <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> pod base, uh, the most most pod of them
2: all. Um, fantastic. I'm back to. I'm going back to play Flower now on the PS3. Yeah, yeah, it'll, yeah. It'll warm ah. us
1: up. Um, yeah, any of you who play Flower? Let us know. Let yeah, us you, know what yeah. it's like. I quite I quite fancy that. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to watch um, uh, calamity Jane. I'm going to have a very relaxed weekend. Um, so yeah, tweet us at Screen Brum. Uh, is it time? We, we're we're well into the second half of the show. Is it time to to up the pace? and come up with some more plant-based films. Um, Before I do, I want to um, ask you some questions, guys. Right. Uh, What I did was I went on to IMDb. quiz, is it? It is a slight quiz, yeah. Oh, dear. Just one question, though, don't we? IMDb. So IMDb um, is, uh, if you don't know, is a a great resource on the internet of of films. Uh, And you can look, you can search in all many different ways. And you can search for titles. And you can search for exact titles so i I had a look and see how many films or episodes of tv programs there were called flower okay of which there were 44 okay on their database is that all yeah well that's the exact name not flowers or flowering just just the word flower by itself and no not the flower but right which of these two do you think there's the most of Films that are called or TV episodes that are called Rose, or films or TV episodes that are called Daisy. I'd go,
0: I'd with, go with Daisy.
1: I go with Rose. Tim's correct. There are 108 Rose films, and only 70 Daisy films. Um, and then, how about this? More tulip films or more chrysanthemum? Tulip. Chrysanthemum. Believe it or not, I oh, was well, really that's surprised. A shocker. I know there are six films called tulip. And seven called chrysanthemum. I mean, you can't even spell it. Uh, well, well, I can't anyway. It. Yeah. Well, so uh, there you go. There's there's a little fun fun interlude uh, for you there. Fun, you know. Um, right. I'm going to talk about something that we haven't touched on yet. We've talked about horror. We've talked about uh, colour and the beauty of it. Another flower dimension, flower power, the 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 hippy ideal the flowers in the gun barrel, the flowers in your hair kind of thing. So I'm going to call on Woodstock. 1970s film about the 1969 Woodstock Festival. Um, It's not... okay. so flowers are in the poster very explicitly and it's very much the kind of the hippie era film, I would argue. Um, The screening of kind of the... Perhaps the, the dying days of the flower power ideal. Um, the lots of lots of you know. So obviously it's a recording of a live concert or a festival. Lots of editors involved, including uh, Thelma Shoemaker, Martin Scorsese, um, and it's innovative the way if you ever see it on screen, there's the split screens and the different things going on. Um, another thing that tickled me uh, about it is uh, in. Thinking of uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Uh, The Omega Man, thinking of post-apocalyptic things, The Omega Man, 1971. Um, I don't know if you've seen that. Charlton Heston, fantastic film. Brilliant opening sequence with all the telephones. Mm. He's alone in in Manhattan and all the telephones are ringing. He's just going mad. He's imagining them all. Uh, He also goes to the cinema by himself and just watches the one film they had on over and over again, which is Woodstock, and he knows all the words. And he says, oh, I don't make them like that anymore. Um, but, it's, but I love that because, you know, although it's a very similar time, Omega Man's kind of the antithesis of the of the, of the flower people kind of attitude. Um, so in terms of wisdom, I have no idea how realistic it was. I don't have no re- idea how much flower power really was. I was talking about uh, to some of my uh, dad's friends many a few years ago about the 60s and what the 60s were like in the small northern town they came from. Um, one of them kind of thought for a bit and said, "Some guy came in the pub once with a paisley pattern tie on, <laughs> so he mocked him and he left." And that was pretty much the whole. So I don't know how much of a reality this was, but you know, as I grew up, I remember watching that as I grew up, and it just seemed like a window into a parallel universe, kind of an alien time that was, you know, just so far away and so magical. You know, the hippie idea or the flower power, the the the, the free love and all that was just so amazing, but. You know, when I look back on it and think, well, I watched that as, as a teenager. It was much nearer in time to me then than my own teenagers years are, years are to me now, so um, it wasn't actually that far away, but it felt like a kind of window into another world. So that's the the recommendation I'm giving for you: 1971's Woodstock, it, three days of peace. It's a love long and music. film,
2: mate. You sat through all three hours, did you?
1: I, I, got, I don't remember sitting through it all in one go, but I yeah. must have done. Yeah. And
2: of course, that was an early uh, film where um, Thelma Schoonmaker and Martin Scorsese mm. were one of the. Six, two of the six editors yeah. were, were part of that film. That's so. right,
1: and they worked together for many years after.
2: That's right, and there's a, there is a director's cut which spans 224 minutes, which came out in 1994 as well. Uh, loads,
1: and it's just Loans passed of- a folklore of all the bands that didn't appear or kind of, you know, wanted more money and didn't get on the bill and, or didn't allow themselves to be recorded and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, fantastic. Of course, you know, Jimi Hendrix's amazing performance and... Uh, I can't think of a better concert movie. Anyone? No?
0: Mm, Coming up blank on that
1: one.
2: Um, I was thinking uh, Talking Heads. Talking Heads, Stop Making Sense. Stop Making Sense. Yeah, that's a possibility. That'll be my um, contribution to the great uh, concert. Jonathan Demi, of course. Absolutely. First
1: first one using digital uh, audio technology to record it. Yeah. First film. Um, right there we go so that is my choice the Flower Power Pumping Woodstock 1970 Blank looks all round here maybe not seen it
0: no, I have but a long time, a ago, long time I, ago yeah I think it's probably at least 10 years since I watched that
1: okay um, and uh, Tim any, any, uh, any thoughts on it or do we move on
2: well you know you can add it into that whole kind of hippie filmmaking culture of that time mm. you know Not Just Flower Thinking, I was thinking of things films like Zabriskie Point and all that kind of thing which were all kind of which we're all kind of at the heart of that kind of hippie culture. Yeah, That's why I'm rather than thinking more than uh, flower power, but I get you. Where you're coming
1: from. Yeah, well, it's a bit of a cheat. This is it's, it's a little bit of a cheat, but you know, you know, I've, I've got the button, so I'm going to say it. Okay, so who would like to come up with another recommendation for us?
0: What about on the tweets? Has there what? been much coming in?
2: We've had absolutely loads coming in. I would say that. Um, uh, we have had uh, some lots of God contributions from B-Film. Um, B-Film, of course, um, very kindly um, sent us some flowers, um, courtesy of uh, Keanu Reeves. Uh, they sent us some flowers? Yeah, a nice bunch of flowers which Keanu Reeves was holding, so we're very grateful for that. He's uh, probably
1: got a gun hidden in them or something. Yeah,
2: whoa. Um, <laughs> Um, but uh, they, yeah, he's, they've given us quite a few suggestions. So they, they talked about Hitchcock's Vertigo, um, which uh, in B film's words is full of great flower and plant symbolism. Um, they give some examples, you know, an example of the bouquet and the painting of Carlotta, the redwoods mm-hmm. for whom centuries are just moments, and the framing in the flower shop that clues you into Mad- Madeline's life in death condition. There's also um, great
1: um, flowers in uh, Hitchcock's Rear Window. Yeah, because mm. there's the the rose garden, isn't it? And the dog, which is where you know it's supposed to be buried. Yeah, and the dog sniffing around. And yeah. and yeah, fantastic. Yeah.
2: An- uh, another another B film suggestion is uh, Magnolia, so called because it's uh, it's about the decay diclet- of white white males. Um, some in in this case Jason Robards literally yellowing with cancer. Some rotting on the inside. Tom Cruise or wilted and unburied, William H. Macy. Patriarchy as deadly sickness, they say, which is uh, another uh, fantastic uh, one-paragraph synopsis of a film. I know, patriarchy
1: as um, sickness. Yeah. Um, a few more. No arguments here on that one.
2: Um, Tim Burton. Uh, sorry, Batman Begins is a good one, where blue flowers are the prime ingredient of a hallucinogenic drug. Same in uh, Scanner Deadly. Darkly. Darkly, Richard Linklater, um, where um, the lobotomised Ar- Ar- Arcter grows these, grows these trippy symbols of Romanticism. He's got a picture, um, he's they've put a picture of uh, Arcter's character doing it, um, which is um, the idea of reaching for the infinite, the unreachable infinite, Nice symbolic, symbolic plant references going on here which is Wonderful. really good. Wonderful. Um, uh, I, I'm being a bit unfair to other people because I've mentioned a lot of uh, Scream, Scream Brum stuff. Um, there was another mention for Day of the Triffids. Um, I think that might have been Feathers and Wings. Yeah. Um, so that's all good.
1: Silent Running, which I know is one of your favourites. Yeah, films. And
2: I know. Again, um, I had to avoid certain films that I've mentioned before. Uh, I, I was going to mention um, Silent Running um, because of the sort of overarching eco- ecological messaging that's at the heart mm-hmm. of Silent Running's, uh, you know, message around the goodness of survival and the goodness of plant life, and uh, you know, leaving uh, leaving uh, Dewey to attend to the plants at the end of the film. I'm going to, you know, if you think about it enough, with a bit of Joan Byers in the soundtrack, oh, you know, yeah. gets you gets you thinking and oh, gets you yeah. uh, really emotional, as it does
1: all the time. And of course, you know, we, we, we should say that today is oh, a day of climate change activism. A lot of children around the world striking from school today um, in, in protest at uh, not enough being done um, for that. And uh, I, for one, would like to uh, lend my support to that. I, I discovered um, this week that... A qu- apparently this is i mean i haven't verification on this i just read this on twitter but a quarter of all human carbon emissions have been uh, emitted since the release of inconvenient truth. an inconvenient truth in 2007 and three quarters of all carbon that's ever been burned by humans has been since 1968 so um so yes we should we chilling should, we should yes least. appreciate go and sniff some flowers go and appreciate them um, and, um, and, and maybe, you know, get out in the garden
0: this weekend. And plant things that bees like.
1: Plant things that bees... What sort of things do bees like?
0: All sorts. Um, lavender is a good one. Uh, Buddleias are good for butterflies. They love... Well, it's called butterfly bush. Mm-hmm. Um, but anything that's sort of open petaled, so anything where bees can get to the middle of them. Then is a good bat.
1: Mm. We need to we need to keep them bees alive, don't we? We do. Okay, good.
0: Otherwise, we won't be
1: right. Well, you know, some would say <laughs> that's no bad thing. Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, anyway, we're here talking films. Who's talking films? So would do you have any other any other film choices um, for the flowers in the in your hair?
2: Yeah, plenty. Um, mm. So. Um, Again, whilst I was saying I was I don't mention films that I've talked about before, I am going to uh, make a nod to Broken Flowers. Um, it is a film that's very close to my heart. Um, of course, for those of you who haven't seen the film, it centres on Bill Murray, who plays a character called Don Johnston. Who's basically um, he receives a letter um, from a uh, from who appears to be a son who he has fathered, but he's never met. Um, And, uh, of course, he has five ex-girlfriends in the running, and uh, the film is a um, a kind of a very... It's a Jim Jarmusch film, so it's very, very... um, It's very dry. Uh, It's a very dry study of of Bill Murray going around and meeting with each of his five ex-girlfriends to try and discover who it is that has mothered his son, and also to find his son. And um, he ticks them off one by one on his list, um, and, and prior to meeting the fifth person, um, yeah, fifth fifth girlfriend, he goes into a flower shop and takes. Uh, he basically takes solace in the kind of kindness of this uh, this florist who 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 uh, who dresses a wound that he got from ex number four, yeah. <laughs> and um, he create. She gives him a beautiful bunch of pink carnations and lilies. Um, and one of the things really actually the co- the pink color is very vibrant and prominent throughout the whole film. Um, it's kind of uh, kind of centerpieces around the clothing of the women he visits. Kind of the power of the women; they're all very powerful. The cameos in the films reflect the cameos in the films reflect that, and um, it's kind of these numerous bouquets that do the talking for sort of his stoicism. Which um, Bill Murray does stoicism better than anyone else, probably. Um, and then um, he, you know, uh, as he tries to as Don. Johnston Bill Murray's character tries to track down his uh, son. He offers flowers to the lovers of his past, and uh, the bouquets change throughout. You know, wildflowers, hand-wrapped bouquets of lilies and carnations. The message stays the same throughout, which is to try and patch up past mistakes, recompense for his for whatever mistakes he's made. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's about the power of flowers as a as a as a kind of a, a symbolic a symbol of uh, reconciliation and also uh, regret. And um, you know pink flowers as a poignant thing so um even though the film is called broken flowers there's no there's no uh coincidence of that it is very much flowers at the fore so i know I, I shouldn't mention films that i've talked about many times before but broken flowers seems appropriate so
1: there you go wonderful and the carnation is i have to say my favorite flower i think i went to jersey once to see um massive uh, carnation farms and incredible these big sort of tunnels um and they sort of start deep 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 red at one end and they get slowly slowly paler through to sort of white at the other so it's quite an experience to sort of see this sort of vast dense field of color just sort of fading out in front of you um there we go so broken flowers is tim's i think someone mentioned that on twitter as well um, that's tim's choice lucy have you got another choice
0: well i i been trying to go by Tim's rules as well of not (laughs) mentioning films I've spoken about before so um, I rambled quite a lot about Little Shop of Horrors on a previous show about aliens so I've had to avoid that even though that's one of the most obvious choices and I love it. But One I'm going to break my rule on a little bit as well is Upstream Colour. Mm, So that's an unbelievably beautiful film by Shane Carruth, 2013. Uh, I talked about it in different contexts before, so I'll just have a little snippet of it. Um, So that starts and ends from a flower and something that has grown through it, whether it's um, a kind of... um, natural process or something that's been interfered with these flowers have a certain coloration and something that comes through them in the grubs that come from their soil and that is what takes the film on its journey it's what's either infected or developed um depending on the way you look at it i suppose and the use of it and these, it's these orchids that turn this beautiful, vivid blue colour when they have this cycle drawn back into them. And that is what keeps the cycle that's involved in the film going. So it's kind of difficult to explain quite what that cycle is. (laughs) it's, um, It's drawn from these orchids and that's how you see this cycle start and end, which is taken through pigs and humans and back through to the water, which goes back into the flower, which goes back into the soil and back into the grub. And it's a lovely representation of how things go naturally. This Everything cycles back into each other eventually in some way. And it, it can be quite sinister at times in the film. I'm not sure sinister is the right word, but it can be troubling. And that is mainly when it gets to the human point. And then once it goes back from that point, it goes into something very... S- still something very n- very natural mm. and so it's as if this cycle which all the world goes through is something very calm and quite loving and then once it gets to the human part, it goes a little bit darker
1: those humans they just ruin everything, don't they. <laughs> You know, nature is all beautiful and lovely, and then humans come along and just mess everything up. Um, wonderful description there. Very evocative, Lucy. Thank you. Uh, so that's upstream colour, which begins and ends with a flower. So there's still time. We've got half an hour of the show left. There's still time to let us know your film, uh, Flowers. Um, um, also, Plant, uh, maybe Florists. And um, we haven't had any puns, apart from my perhaps my flower power one but um there may be some some flower puns as well i'm going to play some more music okay oops um hang on a second i was giving you a bit of uh, Hans zimmer accidentally there um, no bad thing but that's not what i intended to so let's have some music and we'll be back shortly Ooh. If you're going to San Francisco... That'd be nice. Brackets, be sure to wear some flowers in your hair, by Scott McKenzie. Um, I'm I'm playing that in honour of the flower power theme I was talking about earlier. It has also been in many, many films. Uh, the Rock, that's what I'm calling that one from. Um, because... From
2: the Michael Bay
1: master canon. The um, Nicolas Cage uh, underacting... Uh, showcase the rock and Sean Connery doing Sean Connery Connery. well Sean Connery is an interesting person because I think I'd like to mention Sean Connery now Um,
2: we're not doing our flowers in Bond movies thing now are
1: we well we can do that but I'd I'd like to talk about a James uh, James Bond no a a Sean Connery film uh, The Name of the Rose 1986 big fan are you mm. now this, this is directed by Jean-Jacques Arnaud and I can't I'm not going to comment I'm not going to talk about this too much because frankly I don't remember it very well because I saw it pretty much when it came out which was 1986 yeah it's quite false quite right um, Sean Connery and Christian Slater and I think one of the I'm reasons really that. that it had such an impact on me at the time was um, as an impressionable teenage boy um, there, there is a sequence where Christian Slater as an impressionable teenage boy is seduced. Um, quite a seduction. Quite a it seduction. Very real. Doesn't it? Um, and yeah. um, and I, I, I do recall that having quite a strong effect on me <laughs> at the at the age I watched it. So this film really stuck with me. But it, horrible as well. I mean, I remember it, it's that like Ron Perlman is is in it. I think he gets burnt at the stake. And oh
2: yeah, the, it's grisly. The stuff that happens in yeah. that film is dark. Yeah. And it's and it's not they don't hide, they don't shy away from anything. I mean right down to what you talked about the the films of intimacy the scenes of intimacy are very intimate. Yeah. And the the scenes of horror and violence a Stark. It's and beautiful. It's beautiful set in
1: sort of 14th century monastery. Yeah, it's like in Italy like,
2: somewhere. Isn't it? It's like it's like a, 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 an X-rated
1: Cadfile. <laughs> X-rated <laughs> CAD file and Oh I quite g- like that. That was I a good. That was a good on the cusp. Uh, I can't. I no, that's that's add good. That. I cannot oh, yeah. add to that. So, so yeah. So that's <laughs> that's another one. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump out there using the the Sean Connery connection, the name of the rose. Uh, Nineteen eighty-six, and the flower connection is obvious as a rose. Um, of course, the uh, have you ever ever read the book? I'm not clever enough. It's a hard read, is it?
2: Yeah, yeah, I couldn't get through it. I read. The, I mean, um, the film, uh, I, as I say, it, it is a kind of it. it it's, it's it's a world one for me. It's got a great cast as well. You know, you've got um, F. Murray Abraham and you've yeah. got, like, Michael Lonsdale, and uh, as you say, it it, it is an eighteen rated. Who done it? Yeah, and Sean Connery comes in to investigate these people who end up with black tongues. That's right, and dropship with black chunks. And and black chunks. It has has that kind of medieval
1: kind of Monty Python almost kind of you know everything's kind of really mucky and um, uh, and kind of gothic. Um, Yeah, I I can say I I haven't seen it for you know a good sort of. (laughs) 33 years so it's not choice i know but um, it's very
2: french it's very gallic it's a french italian co-production so i could i could always see that film being done in french it's quite interesting choice for it to be done as an english uh language film um it it really has a, 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 a and i guess the french nature is how it comes across as being quite in your face it is very you know very intimate very and very kind of um sort of sensual isn't it un- Sensual is mm. the word yeah that i'd apply and unpleasant mm. as well yeah it's proper
1: 18 rated cad file episode there we go there we go uh tim likes that statement so much he said it twice um i'm going to tweet it to mr. <laughs> mr milk it for all his worth. have you post- seen it lucy i haven't okay. but it's
0: straight on my watch list
1: uh, well i don't know as i say something that's appealing to a, a you know a teenage boy might not be it may not be uh the same but i i do recall um it being as you say uh pretty terrifying um you know and, and it's set in a kind of you know, remote monastery. So a murder mystery in a monastery—what's not to like, right? There we go. That's uh, that's my choice. Get thee to a monastery. Get thee to a monastery. The Name of the Rose, nineteen eighty-six. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> any other any other choices? Any other? I mean, there's so many. Um, there's so many. Can I scenes. just ask?
2: Is the flower reference just the just the name of the film? Yeah. Why not? Roses is a flower. Uh, okay. Sorry.
1: I think that's is that not is that not legit? I think that's fair enough. It is. Um, um, yeah, I mean, some of the other choices have got a lot more excuse than that. Magnolia, you know, that's a seminar. Um, other, other, yeah, other honourable mentions um, of... of uh, well, why don't we talk about Bond, uh, if we're talking about Sean Connery. Did you say you have a, uh, a quiz about flowers in Bond
2: films? No, I just, I, I, you, oh. know, you know, it's the, it's, the, uh, it's the segment known as Tim Talks James Bond Time. Um flowers have actually formed an People essential People should be
1: sending flowers to Daniel Craig People are now, he's in hospital isn't yeah, they, he's it
2: Yeah he's had some ankle surgery yeah. you know? he's a 51 year old guy who's running about doing stunts on his own silly man mm. Tom Cruise and knee comes to mind Yeah anyway uh yeah so uh bon- flowers have always have formed an essential part of Bond moviedom and uh, I just thought I'd sort of throw through three examples of very important scenes in Bond movies where flowers have formed an essential part of plot device. So, um, for example, um, in Honor Majesty's Secret Service, where um, uh, Teresa and Bond have just got married, at the end of the film, she they stop the uh, Bond stops to gather up all the roses that are on his Aston Martin. And uh, in a romantic scene, they've just got married, they're at the height of their kind of love for each other, and, you know, um, she, she puts a... Um, Teresa puts a rose in her mouth and they they play some wordplay. It's all lovely. It's, you know, Bond marries Diana Rigg. It's brilliant. And then uh, Blofeld comes along and shoots Teresa. Uh, Dead. Hard. End of film. Spoiler alert! Happy. Yeah, oh come on!
1: Yeah, I mean that was probably that nice. it's, it's, Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah.
2: So flowers in Bond movies—that's one example. Another great scene. Um, there are two scenes in uh, For Your Eyes Only, much much underrated Bond film. You know, the kind of the back to basics Bond. So after Moonraker, where Bond goes into space, of course the plot there's a plot device there involving an orchid. Um, so um, Drax, played by Michael Lunsdale again, reference yeah. to My Name of the Rose I see I can go on all day doing this he he finds a rare orchid in the Amazon rainforest which produces a nerve gas which would then um, when they go up into the into the space station they let off these um, pods containing this nerve gas which each one would destroy 100 million people I love Bond films, they're so, they're so small scale and <laughs> uh, they let off each pod and they contain this nerve gas which is developed from an orchid, brilliant, love it Bond device plant reference second one third one foyer eyes only uh, Bond goes into an interflora uh, to escape the attention because he spotted one um, basically um, um, Carol Biquet's character in the film uh, he, who's uh, she's the daughter of a, uh, a an, MI, an MI5 informant who gets shot dead her parents get shot dead so he's looking out for her and sort of keeping an eye on her and then two henchmen appear suddenly. Um, because she's like trying to, he's trying to avoid being seen, and these two henchmen appear. He goes into the interfloor and orders a dozen lilies. And then proceeds to kill the two henchmen. One of the henchmen goes through the window of Interflora, covered in flowers. Lady comes out with the lilies and uh, he says, send them to the funeral. Oh, yes. Very funny. Hard. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so Terrifying. Terrifying. And then the, my favorite, one of my favorite ever scenes in a Bond movie is uh, in the living daylights, you know, where the best Bond of all time, Timothy Dalton. Um... I'm very blunt uh, he has a he has a a standoff with a uh, with uh, General Pushkin um, and uh, and basically fi- uh, basically gets th- Pushkin gets thrown onto the bed and some flowers appear on the bed and uh, the flowers are roses and uh, General Pushkin goes I take it. this is not a social call Double O Seven, to which Bond sows Correct, you should have bought lilies. Um, and, <laughs> uh, oh. uh, and so there you go. Four four flower references in Bond films. That's today's Bond segment finished with fantastic. Good your, good luck. your Bond yeah.
1: lesson for the day here endeth that flower references. Uh, you, uh, know what, you know what?
2: If I've missed any Bond references involving flowers, please
1: let me know. I'm I'd sure like to- there's many. Um, when Lucy suggested this theme, we thought. Okay, it's going to be a difficult one, perhaps, to come up with. It right? has been a difficult one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there's, there's lots of stuff. I mean, Lucy, have you got another one you'd like to to shout out?
0: I'll go for a couple of brief ones of people turning into flowers. Ah. Annihilation being a modern, obvious one, but still incredible. Mm. So last year's output from Alex Garland. And even though it um, is kind of brought about by an alien presence, this idea of the earth being reclaimed by nature, it's a fantastic idea and that's used in quite a lot of literature and film and but the way this is presented is shocking but beautiful. These human forms made of flowers, it they're, it's such a striking image. And I've seen some things recently, in, well, in garden centres actually, of be, there being um, these little tableaus of things like Jean's um, set up with flowers coming out the top, and it made me go a bit weird. To be honest, <laughs> it was just so sort wrong. Of, oh no, it's, <laughs> it's it's coming true. Um, but I thought that was such an incredible image from that, and that's what I really that that scene is the thing that's really struck with me and kept with me since then, since I watched it. And to go for a proper trashy one. Troll 2. How could that be escaped?
2: I love Troll 2.
0: I, 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 do you know brilliant. what? I,
1: I would have watched it, but I'd never seen Troll 1, so I don't think I'd follow it. Well,
0: it's completely unconnected. <laughs> no, it's, it, n- it, it's not in any way related whatsoever. Okay. It, it's just I, the Halloween filmmaker free, just wanted to have a recognisable name and so kind of plucked Troll out and said, oh, that'll do. It's got... No relation, in any way, shape, or form.
1: Okay, so the the someone turns into a plant.
0: Yeah, there's these little gremlin-type creatures and um, trolls. They I'm guessing, of sorts. Right, okay. and uh, yeah, if they if they get you, you're sort of ooze your way into being a plant, mm. and it, it's yeah, it's great fun. It's great fun.
1: When I was really little, I'm sure there was a TV series with that premise where, or a TV film or something where they injected you with the poison you turned it into a plant. And, it, I, and I, I remember being utterly terrified, but I remember nothing else other than that. So maybe it was some sort of echo of Troll 2.
0: Possibly. I'm sure it was probably better. I, I love Troll 2. It's just irresistible. <laughs> Um, because it's so terrible and so hilarious, so it's been voted one of the worst films ever made. There's yeah, even a great. film made about how bad it is.
1: Well, that's a trend, isn't it? That was, yeah. Because I was thinking of there's the in the room, which has recently had a film made about like, there's a scene in the forest there. Oh, that is which is, is amazing is when wonderful. he just says. She says, like, how much is it? How much is it? She says, $18. Here you are. Like, immediately afterwards, it's not even any attempt to pretend that he's listened to her. It's incredible. Um, Oh, excellent choices. You know, Lucy, Annihilation was one of mine. It was my number one choice, actually.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. For a
1: very similar reason, but I, 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 you know, it, I've read the book, which I didn't like as much as the film. I thought the film was just so visual, sumptuous and visible. And as you say, there's, there's people turning into flowers, but there's also this other sense to it, there's an echo of the the, the famous scene in um, The Wizard of Oz uh, when when Dorothy and and the gang. Are falling asleep in a field of poppies. That was my number one. No, yeah, we, we are. We are. In yeah, I was going there yeah. as well. It's, oh, right. it's, but it's that narcotic, that kind of narcotic, yeah. um, Thing of of you know, incredibly heady perfume. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all been in in you know, like in the botanical gardens or something, and there's that incredibly strong sense of smell in the air and the pollen in the air, and there is that kind of slightly narcotic feel to it. I think, mm. and and I think that's what comes across in Annihilation. This this sense of almost like. Cloying nature of so much flowers, so much sort of perfume in the air that that these characters are sort of driven completely, um, you know, completely off the rails by it. And I love it, that kind of feverishness of it all. And yeah, you're absolutely right. It's such a good film, and it was it was agonising that it, it really didn't get any kind of cinema release because um, I think it would have been great on a big yeah. screen, yeah. Um, and even better if we, you know, if you just sat there with a a, a, a bunch of chrysanthemums in front of you <laughs> just took the occasional sniff uh, I would say oh, so fantastic okay so two for the price of one there Lucy Annihilation yes. and Troll 2
0: Troll 2 what year they are we- couldn't be more contrasting really Troll 2 and is 1990 uh,
2: yes I think currently you're right currently sitting at 2.8 on, on rating oh it's improved
0: then it used to be at 0
1: Okay, so so yeah, it's got even it's got even better. Perhaps it's the uh, the halo effect of the associations with annihilation. Um, there's there's a film I'd like to see. Two hundred thousand dollar budget. Oh. They used every penny of it <laughs> on the on the the, the, the trolls. Um, a film I'd like to see um, is Jeff Noon's Pollen. I don't know if I ever read any Jeff Noon books.
0: Yeah, that is a fantastic. I'd like to see several of Jeff Noon's. Mm books as films but Probably that would quite expensive. be it would be such an undertaking yeah. it, it would be need to be a seriously brave person to take those things on but
1: again it's that whole sense of that yeah the kind of air i don't know if anyone here does get hay fever i never used to when i was a kid but i do now um and um i, I definitely see flowers in a slightly different way a slightly threatening oops, slightly threatening thing now um right 15 minutes of the show left now, are we into number one from you, Tim? Has anyone else got any other choices?
2: I don't have a number one choice here. I, uh, as I say, um, I, I also want to mention sort of the uh, the gorgeous uh, scene, sort of scene from Wizard of Oz uh, as well. The kind of uh, hypnotic, sleepy nature of uh, smelling the scent of big, bright flowers. And Dorothy starts to feel sleepy. Um, so... Uh,
1: it's yeah. obviously the kind of narcotic connection, specifically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking, one of the things I was trying to be oblique and thinking about Traffic, the original, you know, Traffic, the Steven Saugenberg film, yeah. that was based on a BBC miniseries, which is all about the heroin trade from Afghanistan and poppies there. But anyway, carry on. So
2: I thought I'd wonder, the way I was leading into that was um, I was thinking about uh, 2002's ad- adaptation, uh, where Nick Cage. Um, plays Charlie Kaufman, um, and is hired to write, hired uh, entire to, entire to write the screenplay adaptation for Susan Orlean's *The Orchid Thief*, and the uh, screenplay revolves around um, Orlean, who's played by Meryl Streep, who has a secret lover, who is a, uh, a character called John LaRoche played by Chris Cooper. And um, spoiler alert here, sorry, um, he wants to steal ghost orchids in order to manufacture a jug that causes fascination. Um, mm. I don't know if I don't know if that was a tenuous lead on from Wizard of Oz, but um just so, just so you know, the um the sort of the ghost orchid, uh, I, I read about this. Um, the mysterious ghost orchid is actually native to Canada, Florida and the Bahamas. And um it's uh, it needs to be kept into a in a terora- a terrarium and to maintain high terrarium. Terrarium. See I don't know what I'm talking about. What's that? Is that like a it's like a Greenhouse. glass
0: um late you see the bowls like a bell jar type
2: thing yeah yeah Mm. Yeah. um uh, and that's as tenuous as i can get is basically i was i was i was going i was going there in my head from the get-go as adaptation was like yeah that plot line was obvious flower reference yeah no absolutely and and it's a real
1: it's a real book i think that it's based on isn't it Mm -hmm. um and I keep thinking of Tulip Fever, but that, it's not Tulip Fever, it's something else. But yeah, Tulip Fever was a film from a couple of years ago about the, um, the tulip mania that struck uh, Holland in the 17th century. It was, it was the, one of the first recorded economic bubbles. People were making an absolute fortune buying and selling tulip bulbs. <laughs> it just sounds like it's a, a, a metaphor or something, but they really did. Um and then it all went a bit pear shaped. Um anyway. There we go. Excellent and, choice. I was gonna choose
2: that. Uh, one. And I guess I guess also, you know, the film is classically Charlie because it always these things they tend to reflect a little bit of his own state of mind as well. Clearly, uh, I think this was the one after being John Malkovich, wasn't it? Um so I guess uh, I mean he film, plays uh, himself has, and his own having Nicolas Cage as in you know, playing Charlie Kaufman isn't you're gonna And Charlie that.
1: Kaufman's twin brother.
2: Yes yeah uh yeah it's classically it's classically uh bonkers and you know spike jones does a really great job at uh, bringing that charlie kaufman
1: yeah world yeah. to life Trixie so. would probably Trixie be complex. a way to describe it but uh, fantastic an excellent choice so are we are we are we at the end have we got any other choices any kind of um uh, honorable mentions any other things we'd like to mention um i
2: um, but B-film B- did actually also mention broken flowers. Um mm-hmm. in fact I read the tweet. Just as I was started to talk about it so <laughs> so uh um lots of great suggestions from B-film again. Um someone uh, feathers and wings um um credited your mention of Woodstock. Um she he says he loves the incredible string band um who are on Woodstock.
1: Yes. Yes, exactly. There's
2: lots of great bands. There. Yeah. Um, Tom's Midnight Garden, Feathers mm, and Wings. Don't know that. Do you know that?
1: No, I don't. Mm.
2: Feathers but. and Wings, please tweet more. Tell us more Tell about us Tom's Midnight, Midnight Garden. I'd like to know more.
1: Um, the, the one we perhaps the, the elephant in the room we haven't mentioned is American Beauty. Um, American Beauty is the name of a rose it's, um, it is, you know, it's, it is that's, it's the name of the the name of the rose literally uh, and of course the iconic scene with uh, is it Mira Suvari uh, covered in petals called um, oh, Blimey Johnny and it is, I love that film. Um, great film and it's again Chris Cooper's in that isn't he um, fantastic uh, Chris Cooper in American
2: there. Beauty and Adaptation go well together. as mm. a nice double act, day. Eh? So. Yeah.
1: Um, Kevin Spacey um, and, um, yeah, um, Thora Birch, who, um, you know, hasn't really um, been in mainstream films since then, I don't think, um, unless you count Dungeons & Dragons movie. But um, it's a fantastic film, as I recall. Um, and, of course, very, very lot of flowers in there. What do you think, Lucy? You look like you don't approve.
0: No, I I just haven't seen it in a long time. That's no. all. But I remember loving Thora Birch in it. Yeah. Uh, but that that was the obvious, most obvious choice, I suppose. For it was today. the most. Yeah,
2: it's, it's probably Sam Sam one of Sam Mendes' most iconic scenes as a director. I I I'm always thinking of, um, Annette Bening's character, when I think of American Beauty and her decline, in throughout the film. I, lo- I know I also I do love. Um, uh, Scott peculiar as the next door neighbour. <laughs> remember him?
1: Oh, that's right. Yes, yeah. so yeah. he's a gay next door neighbour. And, door neighbor. and uh, is it Chris Cooper's character is really homophobic? Homophobic,
2: and, and then you realise he's got a slightly yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the film's brilliant. It's yeah. a fantastic film. I think I think um, any reluctance to talk about it has come because of recent events more than anything else involving yeah. involving one person. I think you. It's very difficult. It's going to open a whole can of worms, but I think you have to talk about
1: the film and say it's fab. It deserves yeah. all of its plaudits. So, uh... um, we'll we'll play one more track, um, and then we'll come back with any more uh, mentions if we have. Uh, and this is one of your choices, uh, Lucy, uh, which is the Lana Del Rey. Um, yeah. Which I wanted to play because it's gorgeous. Um, what What it's was your reason from the for gate,
0: this? *The Great Gatsby*, mm. which of course has a massive theme of flowers through it, and is so sumptuously used visible, mm. visibly in it as well, with the rooms full of flowers. That's right. doesn't he, doesn't he buy
1: an entire room full yes, of flowers?
0: Yes, yes, it's absolutely gorgeous. And the film is arguably not that fantastic uh, a representation of the story, but it's, as with all Baz Luhrmann's films, it is gorgeous to look at, and as always, has a great... Soundtrack as well. Well, let's hear it.
1: There we are. That was Young and Beautiful uh, by Lana Del Rey. And that is from the soundtrack to the film... Um, the Great, the great Gatsby, Gatsby, which features a lot of flowers because we are talking about flowers here. It's the end of the show. We are right at the end of the show. So we've run out of uh, of time now. We've got time to sort of wrap up, really, to say thank you so much for all of your contributions. Thank you for your tweets. Thank you so much uh, for Sakara. Sakara. <sighs> Sakaira, from... Um, screen b14 who came in everyone's looking at me with my terrible terrible inability with names um and uh, tell us about uh, telling us <laughs> about the b14 community cinema so feel free <laughs> to follow them on twitter and to uh, seek out uh, all their stuff that looks fantastic i'll um, say zucana and then
2: everything will
1: be fine you I got it wrong again i'm mm-hmm. oh,
2: so sorry zucana um b screen b14
1: Blake is very sorry getting your name wrong. Um, Blake
2: Blake, Blake doesn't, it doesn't. It's a hard name, mate.
1: This this weekend um, they are they're they're doing a show on Saturday. So shoplifters um, in uh, that's right in Kings Heath. So we've been talking about all things flowery. Um, any other honourable mentions? I'm going to mention the War of the Roses. I'm going to mention the scene with the bouquet of flowers in Shaun of the Dead, which I always find very funny when he gives her the flowers and she looks at them and it says to a lovely mum on them um, and he just goes ooh <laughs> I'm sure we can all relate to him one way or another
2: we've had some tweets mm-hmm. um, feathers and wings first of all Tom's Midnight Garden
1: uh,
2: he has got back to us okay he, he set, not only sent us a lovely Wikipedia link uh, he said it was also a book and a play just involves a garden which has plants and flowers I remember it on TV as well I'm glad you do mm-hmm. we should as well but once we don't we should uh, we've also had a tweet from Paul Farrell, uh, who is in permafrost, at inpermafrost on Twitter, who has simply mentioned uh, Agnes Varder's Le Bonheur, um, which uh, has lots, and he's given some screenshots of flowers. Um, so um, be sure to check out that. It's film 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 from 1965.
1: Wonderful, wonderful. And it's
2: available on the Criterion Collection and available to watch on many,
1: many places streaming platforms a go-go yeah. um we're we're coming up to to the end we have to go we'd love to stay uh, and chat but we are uh, we have to go and tend to our gardens yeah um yeah okay um
2: prune and, and attend
1: to our foliage that's right i'm gonna pl- i'm gonna uh, play out with uh, another choice from lucy um this one is um uh camera obscura Lucy. This is a choice yes. of yours. Now what was what was this one from?
0: This is from Imagine Me and You, hmm. uh, which was a early two thousands, um yeah, two thousand and five film by Old Parker. And it's very Richard Curtis esque sort of middle class rom com. And but it's quite sweet, really. It's one of the first um lesbian rom-coms i remember seeing uh, from this period of time anyway um is a british made one and it's a woman who's getting married meets the florist and falls in love with the florist instead tale as old (sighs) as time oh yes um Okay, well, let's... It's actually quite... It's not a brilliant film, but it's quite
1: sweet. Let's have a listen to it then. Um, We're going to say goodbye to you all. We play you out with Suspended from Class um, by Camera Obscura. Can I say... This is Blake saying thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Can I also say thank you to my co-hosts, Tim and Lucy. Thank you for everything. And uh, we'll see you soon. Lucy, Tim, any, any final words?
2: Um. No, we look forward. That sounds to
1: threatening. I did not mean a, um, any final words. Um, <laughs> I mean anything. Any right final side. words <laughs>
2: before you die? Um, <laughs> no. Yes. Um, nothing but nothing to say. Thank you very much, and we look forward to being back in a couple of weeks.
0: Yes. Thank you for having us back. Bye.